Has anybody that has uh, children or been around children, you all remember when those kids uh, started taking their very first steps? You may got some videos of that. Maybe we could send those in in the next couple of weeks. It's funny, right, to watch kids try to walk um, and then fall down. Can we say that? Is that safe? Are we in a safe space? To me, it's kind of funny to watch kids fall sometimes. But um, knowing uh, that all of us... Uh, I mean, that, that's one of, our, one of our goals for kids if they're able to, and some kids are not able to, and parents love them and work through different things. But man, just to watch a kid kind of get that balance for a second and think about it um, and finally take that first step. And we cheer, and it usually scares them, and they fall down right after that, and then they, they get back up. Um, it's amazing to me how from the time we're little babies, those little steps get us in a lot of different directions um, the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Um, as far as I know, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody that doesn't, most of us in here have two feet, you know? We got the same two feet. Most, most, not all, most people in human history have, have had, the, had just the two feet. And they take us in lots of different directions. For the next few weeks, as we're leading up to Easter, y'all, it's less than 40 days away, all right? We're in a season now called Lent. Some of you may be familiar with that. We introduced this in our Wednesday night service. Wednesday was actually Ash Wednesday. So if you look over here, we actually have a palm branch that Miss Kathy Compton actually saved from last year's um, Palm Sunday um, in a little container. And in this little container, there's ashes actually from a palm branch from last year's service here at Lake Point. So if any time during the week or before after service you want to come in, you can actually, you know, just dip your finger down there and get a little ash and just think for a little bit of what that represents. But what Lent is, is the 40 days leading up to Easter, minus the Sundays, this period of time of us preparing for the resurrection of Jesus. Now, for most in the room, I think we already know that Jesus is already resurrected. So we're not waiting for him to come back to life for the first time, but we're preparing our hearts and our minds to continue to celebrate that, even though it happened 2,000 years ago. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at individuals who had a chance to follow Jesus one step at a time and came so close but had a misconnection somewhere along the way. Jesus had a lot of good followers in the New Testament, and most of those guys wrote most of the New Testament. But there are also folks in there where I fully believe had an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow, just like we asked Abby a little bit ago. Do you want to follow? And she said, yes, sir, it was beautiful. But to know that Jesus doesn't make anyone follow him. It's a choice that he gives everyone. So we're going to look at some of those folks in the next couple of weeks. The first one you may have heard about before, his name's Judas. Not many people hear Judas and go, I bet he was a winner. <laughs> he was a winner for a little while. But y'all, he lost his way. Judas walked with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over three years. If you don't know who Judas is, he's one of the 12 disciples. Jesus called his disciples individually and said, you, come, follow me. And scripture says most of them like drop their nets. They're fishermen, like, I want to follow. And they went. They didn't know where they were going, they how they are going to get paid. They didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. They just knew that they had met someone, had an instant connection with that man, Jesus, on a deep, deep level and chose to sacrifice and give up everything to follow him. Judas was one of the 12 disciples that, from what I can gather, Jesus invited to follow him, and he chose to do it. He saw crazy stuff for over three years. 
He saw blind people get healed. Judas was there when Jesus said, let's make some fish and bread out of two little fish and three little bread and fed over 5,000 people. Judas was very likely there when Jesus said to his friend Lazarus, who had died and was already in a grave, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come back to life, and Lazarus came out. Judas was present for all of those things, and yet he still struggled with following Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Scripture says, When Jesus had called the twelve, all right, he's got all his boys together. When he called the twelve together, he gave them, all of them, all twelve, Judas is in the twelve, all twelve of them, power and authority to drive out demons, which is legit, and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Judas was in that camp. This wasn't just one of the guys that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks who might have bumped into Jesus in the, res- in the trial or bumped into him when he was on the cross next to him. Like Judas had a relationship with him and had been given authority and power by him to serve him. Judas had a ministry to do, to work the mission of Jesus, proclaim the kingdom. But he also had a specific role. He was the treasurer of the ministry. He handled the money. He handled the pocketbooks. The guys didn't carry pocketbooks. He handled the purse strings. Why did Jesus need money? I mean, they had to buy food and do ministry. And Judas was in charge of keeping up with that. So from the outside looking in, if you and I were to bump into Judas today, and he were to walk up, or for anybody that was around Jesus for three years when he was on the earth doing his ministry, if they'd have bumped into him, very likely would have said, that guy has got it all together. He's very close to Jesus. He has the power to cast out demons. And he's a part of the greatest movement the world's ever seen. But Judas began to take wrong steps along the way. He began to get distracted. He began to make decisions that would change the course of history. It's a decision that, if you're hearing this story for the first time, it's going to seem pretty shocking. In Matthew 26, verses 14 to 16, all right, this is right before Jesus is arrested and taken to the cross. The scripture says, then one of the 12, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' best friends on the planet, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Talking about Jesus. So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he, Judas, watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Can you imagine this? Jesus was, Judas was willing to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Not just some guy he had read about in a book. Not just some guy his grandmama taught him about as a kid. Someone who he had eaten with for years, for 30 pieces of silver. I've asked myself this question this last week. How did he miss this? It's easy for me to say, well, Lord, what about the people in the world that have never had a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Are they going to spend an eternity apart from you? What about the ones who grew up in a crazy situation, have had so many things happen, the odds are stacked so high against them, Lord, It's just not right or fair. That's a whole other conversation. We're going to get there one day. But that Judas isn't in one of those camps. Judas is a guy who was actually with him for a long time, following alongside him, and he still missed the connection with Jesus. How did he miss it? 
couple of quick verses. In John 12, verse 5, Jesus is with a group of friends, Mary, Martha, their buddy, their brother, Lazarus, is the one that died and he brought back to life. Having a crazy night. It's a really good time. Everybody's worshiping. And one of the sisters brings a bottle of perfume that's extremely expensive. And she breaks it and she pours it on Jesus' feet. And the scripture says that with her tears and her hair, she's washing Jesus. This woman is broken. Probably an odd scene. Not going to lie, for everybody in the room, even the guys that are fishermen, probably thinking, I got a mom. She's never done that. You know, this is different. This is kind of different. But Judas has a very unique response to it. And he says this. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? That's over a year's wages. A solid question, Judas, because he's in charge of the money. He's probably thinking the mission budget, the benevolence fund's been taking a hit because of the 5,000 feeding a few weeks before. He's like, we got to pay, pay this thing out. Again, from the outside looking in, it seems like a valid question. So for everyone else in his life, his family, his church, his business, his kids, if he had any kids, his spouse, and hear this, and his savior, it looked like he was being a good follower of Christ saying, yes, Lord, one foot in front of the other. We got to take care of those poor folks. That's the good church answer. But the guy that wrote this book knew him really well, John. So John, because he wrote this after all this had happened, added another verse in verse 6. John says, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, <laughs> because he was a thief. Oh, that's tense. You know, you want to start a fun conversation with somebody this week, go up to him and say, I think you're a thief, and just see how that goes. Like John says this, after the fact, he says he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help. John's saying this, it's in the Bible, we believe the Bible. He used to help himself to what was put into it. What does that mean? I mean, Judas was dipping in the pot a little bit. I don't know how that started. I believe it could have started innocently. Maybe he was at the quick trip or something or wherever they had back then. It was like, hey, I want to buy a candy bar. Oh, no, I don't have my wallet, but I got the church purse strings here. I'll just, I'll just get a few dollars out. That's going to be, I'll pay it back. And went to pay it. Maybe he forgot to pay it back. We don't know if it started innocently or much more seriously. We don't know if it, a few weeks down the road, the disciples were like, where'd you get them new sandals? Don't like Jordan sandals or something. Like, all right, Judas. And Judas said, oh, my mama gave me $20. I mean, we don't know. But we know that the other friends began to notice that Judas was taking money from the ministry. At this point, this follower, this disciple of Jesus, started taking some of the money designated for the ministry as his own. Y'all, that's the thing with any sin. Whether it's Judas stealing money from Jesus or us struggling with something in our lives today, once we allow it to start... Once we allow sin to get one foot in the door, it's much easier to keep going. It's much harder to stop. It's like the, you remember, we did it at the daddy-daughter dance a few weeks ago, the hokey pokey. Some of y'all grew up singing that song. That's some fun stuff. Put my right foot in, I put my right foot. I'm not going to do the whole thing because that's not our style in church. We don't do that. But I do know this. There are very likely some of you right now that are dabbling in sins that you know are wrong. You need to stop and repent. Well, I'm just doing it on Mondays at lunchtime. Lord, I'm going to follow you. I want to be a good follower of Jesus. No, oh, I love you on Sundays. It's going to be so good. Love you, Lord. But Friday nights, Lord, I just want to look at some stuff just a little bit longer. I'm just going to hang out over here just a little bit longer. 
Lord, I want to tell everybody about Jesus. I love him. I want the world to know. I want to be a disciple. I want to grow the kingdom. But I can't believe Wednesday's coming because Wednesday, I'm going to rip that girl apart that was talking so bad about me. I can't wait to tell my friends at work what she said. Sin, rarely in my life, is caused by my own lack of faith and the devil himself, rarely ever calls me to jump into the deep end of the swimming pool. You know what I mean? Like, just, just go all in. In my life, it's usually been just a little bit off, you know? Well, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. But man, what? Okay, just a little distraction. And that's what I think Judas started with. He got off path just a little bit. He didn't address it. What could have happened? Could have, would have, should have ruled the world. What could have happened? If maybe that first time Judas spent a little money that wasn't his. You think if he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, man, I messed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that, man. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard month. My mom's been sick. Whatever it is, I fully believe in my heart of hearts that because of who Jesus is, Jesus would have forgiven him on the spot. But he didn't go that route. He continued to put one foot in front of the other that led him in a different direction. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 27 to 28, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Why is Paul saying this? Because he knows that in life, Anything we get ourselves into with one little baby step can quickly turn into a slippery slope. Don't give the devil a foothold. That's why it's easy to become a Christian, but hard to continue to become more like Christ and follow him. Because he will convict you. People say, God doesn't cause guilt. He doesn't. If you've, asked for, if you've asked God to forgive you of something and you feel still feeling guilty about that thing, that's not of the Lord. But if you are still actively sinning, in an area of your life and you feel bad about it, that 100% is from the Lord through the Holy Spirit of Jesus saying, stop, address your feet, get back on track, ask the Lord to forgive you. If not, even if you look, act, talk, smell, dress, sing, listen to a good follower of Jesus, you could be, it's about to get heavy, you could be putting one foot in front of the other straight to hell. You know what Jesus says to everyone? Follow me. Even if we say things like, but Lord, my feet are really dirty. We're getting there. Jesus knows that our feet are dirty. And he continues to say, I get it. We'll take care of that stuff later. Check your feet and follow me in every step of your life. Scripture says in Luke 22, verses 3 and 4, Then Satan entered Judas. That's heavy stuff right there. Then Satan entered Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and did what he had to do. How did, Jesus, how did Satan enter into Judas? Again, this is just Danny here. Very rarely have I met somebody that said, you're not going to believe this man on Tuesday. The devil knocked at my door and was like, hey, bro, I'm going to come camp out and live in your heart forever. I've never met anyone that said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go that route. I have met dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have said, I wish I would have put one foot in the other direction two years ago when I took one step off the path. 
The devil didn't show up himself and say, it's me, follow me. It was one distraction, one pop-up, one conversation, one thing that I shouldn't have done, and it got me off of track. The devil's been doing this thing a long time. I'm giving him no credit, and he's got an eternity place for him somewhere, but he's really good at what he does. And he knows that to get a committed, from the outside looking in, follower of Jesus, to follow him, it's got to be one little baby step at a time. Eventually, Judas would get his chance. He would kiss Jesus on the tree and betray his Savior. What can we learn from Judas today? Don't be like Judas. That's what we can all go. I don't want to be like Judas. How can we do that? Even those who appear to be following can actually be going their own way if sin is allowed to take over. It will snowball one step at a time. Just this last week, and I am so thankful that this happened. Grown man reached out to me and said, I need someone to help hold me accountable with some things I am struggling with in my life. I need you to watch. I need you to call. I need you to ask tough questions. And you know what I said? Sinner! Of course I didn't say that. Come on. What did I say? I mean, just guess. I said, yes! Of course I would do that. I would love to do that. Why? That's what Jesus calls us to do. Not to see someone that comes through the doors and say, whoo, those are some dirty feet. You know, first off, stop looking at feet. That's weird. But to say to anyone that walks through the door that says, man, I'm struggling with something, to be able to say, I'm struggling too, and we can hold each other on the path. We all need people in our lives that are willing to say, hey, I know this is going to be awkward for a little bit between us, but you're going the wrong direction. No matter how high up you get, how big you get, how influential you get, if you start weeding out people who can call you out on doing things that are wrong, that's not of the Lord. The Lord wants all of us to have at least one or two people that can say, hey, we, we need to talk about some stuff. Not in front of everyone, not in a Twitter conversation, one-on-one over a cup of coffee, biblically, in an office or in a school where people can pull you aside and say, I care about you. If there is something in your life today that you know is wrong, okay? Some people say, well, what do you define a sin? Different com- Right now, if there is anything in your life that you know is sinful, that you know is wrong, and you're still doing the little hokey pokey with it, like, well, I'll just do a little bit longer and I'll ask forgiveness. I'll just go back. Let today be the day that you choose to say, Lord, forgive me for that. Wash me clean. Why do we know that God will do that? He does it for everybody, including Judas himself. Right before... Judas ran to the chief priests and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. You know what he was doing? He was sitting in an upper room having dinner with Jesus and his friends. And in that upper room, this happened. Mark 14, 21. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It will be better for him if he had not been born. Jesus is saying that leading up to this. Jesus knew that Judas was going to do everything that Judas was going to do. But then they end up in this upper room. And in John 13, verses 1 through 5, this is written. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. What's the next verse there? Is that can we go to the next one? Then the evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. This is Jesus. 
took off his outer clothing, took off, he had a cloak, he took off his cloak and his wrap, and wrapped a towel around his waist. What is Jesus doing there? He's becoming like a servant. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. For us, again, we might think, I don't, I'm not, let's not become foot washing type of people. You know, again, this is a different culture, a different time. If you want to honor somebody and show respect, when they came to your house, you would say to your servant, or for some, they would say to a slave, or to some, they would have to do themselves. They would get on the floor and wash the feet of those that came into the room to show honor and respect and dignity. And this passage said that Jesus did this with his 12 disciples. Who's in the 12? Judas. So Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver with really clean feet that Jesus had just washed. And he still missed it. Y'all, if Judas could miss a connection with Jesus and he was with him face to face, flesh to flesh for over three years, there's a really good chance that some of us could miss that connection. Maybe it's money, maybe it's lust, maybe it's gluttony, maybe it's pride, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's a dozen other sins that could take place that is currently trying to get us off track from following after Jesus. Well, Danny, I've been in church since I was a little girl. Guess who doesn't care about that? The devil doesn't care about that. He's not going to stop trying to distract you. Well, Danny, I'm a pastor. The devil doesn't care if you're a pastor. He's going to keep trying to distract you. Why? He's the father of lies. He's going to continually do that until Christ returns. Jesus chose to wash. This is, and we're going to close. This is good. Jesus chose to wash Judas's feet, knowing that he was giving Judas very clean feet to betray him. And he did it anyway. Why? I think Jesus wanted us to always know that God's grace will always be bigger than our sin. Always. God's grace is always bigger than our sin. Judas could have left the upper room with more than just clean feet. I fully believe that in that moment, Judas could have repented and gone out of there with a really clean heart as well. You know, I think it's going to hurt the very heart of God today. If some of his children gather together for worship and say, Lord, I want to be just, I want to be, I want to be clean, but we're still hokey pokey. And, you know, we still got a little bit over here. We're still, all this can be clean. I told little Abby, she said, is all, we said, Abby, every, every bit's going underwater. And a couple weeks ago, we had a kid that was holding his head up. So we just, we just kept pushing. I mean, we just kept going. You know, it's like, we're just, we're going to go. Abby was solid though. She was like, let's go. She dipped back in there. Knowing that the water doesn't save us, it's symbolic of what Jesus has done. Jesus died on the cross for all of you, not just for some of you. Jesus died on the cross for the best things you will ever do for eternity. So that I believe he can introduce you to other people in heaven and say, let me show you my child. This Jesus will do, let me introduce you to my child. Let me tell you about what they did for me. Let me show you who else is here because of them. But Jesus also, I fully believe, is proud to have died for every sin that you and I have ever committed. Knowing that, 
we couldn't clean our own feet or our own heart. But he could. And that he willingly washed Judas' feet. Bless your child. Judas left there, betrayed Jesus. He ended up taking his own life just a few hours later. Never got to fully experience the connection of what it was like to be loved by a Savior. But he also could never tell anyone, well, I never knew. I want everyone in here to know that no matter our sin, no matter what we have done, no matter how many times we have betrayed him before, no matter how many people you may be faking out right now that are saying, good job, you're the best Christian church person, follower of Jesus I've ever known, but in your mind, you know that you're dabbling and given a foothold that's taken over other areas of your life. No matter what that thing is, I want you to know that his grace is still bigger. And he still chooses to say, at any point, turn your feet to me. Isn't that crazy, y'all? He doesn't just say, follow me. He does say, follow me, but he doesn't just say that. He says, follow me, and I believe symbolically through the Holy Spirit, still humbles himself when we come to him with whatever we're coming with. He gets on his knees, and he chooses to wash our feet as well. So that seconds, I think milliseconds, after we ask him for help, we can be introduced to the rest of the world as a child of the living king. You, according to what Jesus has done, are worthy to have your feet washed by the creator of the universe because of his love for you. So we have to ask ourselves, Lord, is there anything in my life that I'm currently giving a step to that's distracting me from following you fully? I don't want us to have a misconnection. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you today for your faithfulness in meeting us where we are. We thank you for loving us and for choosing to save us, Lord. God, you know, you know the choices of all of us in here. Lord, that some of us have chosen to um, and follow you faithfully. Lord, I thank you that when we are faithfully following, you are faithfully leading. But Lord, I also thank you that in the times of my life where I did get distracted, almost always, just by taking one step in a different direction, looking at one thing I shouldn't look at, saying something ugly one time. Lord, how often that got me off path. I thank you for loving me and everyone else hearing these words too much to allow us to get off the path by ourselves, which is why scripture says you leave the 99 to find the one. You always leave your altar open. Always give the invitation to anyone, whether they're meeting you for the first time or the hundredth time to say, Lord, I need to be cleansed again. Thank you for being a savior that doesn't just tell us where to go. You show us how to get there. You walk with us on our way there and you continue to clean us up when we fall down as we're trying to be like you and get there. That type of love is overwhelming. And God, I pray that everyone hearing these words right now would know what that is like. If there is anyone that has never asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior hearing these words, if there's anyone that's never said to on someone else, more importantly to you, God, I need you to help me, to save me, to clean me. Let them do that right now. 
You were willing to wash Judas's feet. You were willing to wash anyone's feet. Lord, if there's someone that's been following you for a long time, but they've gotten off the path just a little bit, maybe even everybody else thinks that it's good and clean and perfect and couldn't get any better, but in their heart or in their mind, they know that they're struggling. Let today be the day that we say to you, Lord, help me get back on track. Help me to get my feet right. Please, Lord, meet me where I am. We thank you for doing the things in this world that we cannot do on our own. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you're able, won't you stand with us, church family? If I can help you with any decision, if you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian, entering the waters of baptism, you've seen somebody to pray over you, the altar here is always open, but know that the altar of your heart is where the Lord will meet us whenever we call upon his name. Let's go to him now.